Hi, welcome to Savvy Sab's podcast on Colin. This is episode 38, Brett Favre, Mississippi Crisis. Brett Favre has been accused of accepting funds from Mississippi for speeches that never happened. Jackson, Mississippi is currently experiencing a water crisis and funding has been an issue. What are your thoughts on how funds have been spent in Mississippi? All right, and I think we already have Ashura on the line, so let's go ahead and bring Ashura in. Really want to hear you guys' uh, take on this in reference to the funding, because this is $70 million is ridiculous. Hi, Sabi. Hi, Ashura. Uh, I would think $70 million. It's a lot of money, but I, you would expect them, since it's in a black state, they would be, you know, stealing more than that. <laughs> um, I Good the, point. I, yeah, because uh, I know Jimmy was talking about it uh, yesterday, and he, he was having a problem thinking if this was uh, environmental racism because they didn't have water. And uh, he was probably wondering like, if the mayor was white or black, but in this case, can it still be environmental racism if it's a black guy running the shit? Yes. Yes, it still can okay. be because one of the things that we did note tonight is that the mayor mentioned in the interview with Democracy Now that he had reached out for the state to step in. So this is, it's been a long-term issue. And he said that the state is supposed to step in. Like, so they obviously like Jackson, Mississippi, based on like the income and the population, we went over this last night where like, they didn't, you know, have a billion dollars. Like it would take like a billion dollars. So the state was supposed to step in. This is where the governor should have stepped in to help. But it just, I don't understand how there was no tracking of $70 million being spent incorrectly. And I mean, the the two gentlemen that were interviewed on that news segment, it was interesting to me because both of them said they don't, they didn't know this was happening. They don't know how it happened, but somebody somewhere knew. Like you don't spend yeah. that amount of money and nobody knows. But that's kind of funny. He's the mayor. You're telling me the mayor doesn't know $70 million is missing? <laughs> well, no, because well, there's a difference. Well, the difference is the mayor is in charge of the city. The governor is in charge of the state. So the mayor isn't always involved in the state issues per se. This actually, that part with the $70 billion, the governor should have been on that. But so much for the mayor of, of Jackson, Mississippi. He's mainly just concerned about what's happening in his city. But the fact that he had already reached out to the state multiple times and they were supposed to step in and help and they didn't, it speaks volumes, you know? So the, the, mayor, uh, the mayor, is he uh, a white Republican? Is, is that what he is? Or is he a Democrat? I don't know if he's a Democrat or Republican, but the mayor is black. Oh. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that, 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 yeah. that, that's even that, that's weird that that's weird because I, I noticed that uh november is coming in so that's the midterms right so right. um do you think they're doing that for every black country every little problem that every all, all those black states have they're gonna little by little just put them out on the mainstream just so biden joe biden could say hey i'm, I'm gonna go basically clean up uh, what's happening in mississippi or ohio or whatever the fuck because you got Flint, michigan that basically went through Three presidents, or three, pres three presidencies, Obama's, uh, Trump's, and now Biden. And yet they still don't have clean water. 
Right, because it's a black it's a black town for the most part. And this is and I do want people to know it's not even just here's the thing, it's not just Flint, it's not just Jackson, Mississippi. It's happening in other towns across the United States. A lot of times, like if you go to South Carolina, some of the rural towns have this issue, have a water issue. So these are just the the cases that you hear about. And even when it came to Flint, by the time that was national news, independent media had already been covering what was going on in Flint. Because I know Jordan Sheraton was the first person I saw cover it. That's how I found out about it. So I, I just think... You know, there was a reason why they were choosing not to cover it. Again, it's it's a predominantly black uh, town, working class. Some people are poor there as well. And a lot of times those groups are forgotten about. People don't care about it. If this would have happened in a place like Beverly Hills, which it wouldn't because they're wealthy. But if yeah. it would have happened in Beverly Hills, it would have been national news immediately. They would have stepped in as quickly as they could. But because it's black people and because it's poor and working class black people... They don't care. They let this go on for so long. That's why it's gotten to the point where it's at now. Uh, well, you said yes, because it's a poor, poor black state. Um, Have you heard anything about like white poor states like in the red states? Like have they basically done the same thing that's happening to Mississippi or have they come in and just clean it for them? West Virginia is a good example. Uh, in fact, I actually I found out about that from uh, Paula Jean Swearingen. She was the one who actually opened my eyes to the environmental racism and pollution in West Virginia. And West Virginia, I believe, I'll double check, but West Virginia, last time I checked. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I was going to ask, like, it's with lone black state in, uh, in a red state. No, nah, some, you know, it's, it's some of the, the states that are really poor. Uh, you can also, another example, Kentucky, uh, Alabama, like these are just some of the ones I know off the top of my head when catastrophe happens there. It's like, nobody cares. Look at the way that President Bush responded to Hurricane Katrina. I mean, it was like weeks before they actually intervened to help. There were celebrities down there helping people in New Orleans before the government stepped in. What what wasn't it wasn't it wasn't it because of Kanye West that Bush finally put the money down? <laughs> I, I will I will say I still remember that ad like George Bush doesn't care about black people and you have you look at the what's his name like the Shrek guy and uh, uh, Chris Tucker uh, donate please <laughs> it's like a hostage video. I, I will say uh, Kanye West's. Uh, message probably put some pressure out there that's for sure yeah um, those, those, those people love celebrities republicans and democrats i don't know what the fuck is wrong with these people they claim they don't like celebrities but they both love them yeah i, I mean you know these problems haven't been fixed um i know that uh when paula jean was on she was talking about the environmental issues in west virginia uh joe manchin is a part of that he's contributed to some of that right and I remember, if you ever haven't seen Knocking Down the House, I, I recommend watching it because in that documentary, she drives through like her town in West Virginia and she points out all the houses where people have cancer because of the environmental pollution that they've experienced in that area. Like it, it wasn't even like unusual for someone to have it. So like when, when Paula Jean Swearingen says people are dying, believe her. 
why don't they do like uh, that thing Obama did for that one state that got polluted? Basically, they forgot people got sick somewhere. I think it was something about the air, and they got they they, they got they got it got so bad that everyone got sick. And he just he did decided to give them like a form of Medicare for all, and basically they don't have to pay anything. You mean so, Libby Montana? Yeah, Libby Montana. I'm not I'm not sure it was. I, I can't remember if it was Obama that did it. Um, or if it was done by the state. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure Jimmy said it was Obama that did it for them. Mm. So uh, I was, I was like, well, if it's not them, if I, if it's not them getting sick, and it's basically the state and or the companies that are poisoning them, why not just give them free healthcare? Why not be that one thing? Like, if you're not responsible for getting sick, and it's basically the companies who basically pay the the states to basically fuck up your health. Why are they the ones who decide, you know what, you're sick, you don't have the money, you're poor, we're going to give you a few health care. Just go into a clinic and basically get treated. I, yeah. hope that's not, I hope that's not the way the people to get health care for some company to come in there and just poison your water, the ground, and everything right. and get you sick. That would be the worst way to get health care. And I mean, they still haven't done that for people in Flint, Michigan. I don't think they're ever going to. I think Flint, Michigan is going to be like uh, one of those uh, states they got to use to get them to uh, go vote for Joe Biden. Uh, I believe Jimmy had the Duran on his show. Maybe, maybe you could try to see if you can get them on your show, too, on RBN and yours. Uh, they were there. They were talking about Joe Biden. <clears throat> it was a funny, funny thing. But uh, have you heard about uh, George Bush giving out master class? Like, I don't know. What, what, why, are they, why are a bunch of these war criminals giving master classes? <laughs> when I first when I first heard about it, I thought it was a joke at first. I yeah, thought I'm someone like, was. Yeah, I thought I someone was fucking with me at first. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, George Bush gave a master class of what? Fucking killing people? I mean, why, <laughs> why don't they show that clip of George W. Bush like freaking out, like he was in the classroom, and they tell him, hey, the twin towers got that basically got torn down, and he basically was there. He just froze. I'm like, you're the president. Get the fuck out of there. Why are you still in a classroom of children? They'll be okay. I remember that. He was because yeah, he, he was reading to the students. I remember that. Even Hillary's yeah. giving a a master class. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck? What is Obama gonna give his master class? Or even what's his face? John Bolton might even give a master class. <laughs> wow. Oh, I can't wait for the day Trump uh Jimmy likes to say this. Like I can't wait for the day Donald Trump gets uh he he gets what what did he say? It's like they 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 rehabilitate Donald Trump. Maybe when Donald Trump gets rehabilitated, he's gonna give you a master class. Oh, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna pay to see this one. It's probably going to be funny. And you know how Donald Trump likes to speak. It's gonna be a funny master class. Oh my you God. probably won't learn anything from it. You won't learn anything from it, just like Trump University. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how they decide who gets to who gets to do those, but it's it's really funny. It's like. Yeah, what exactly is this a master class in? How to be corrupt? <laughs> yeah, exactly. How to basically kill people? I'm like, come on. <laughs> anyway, so I'm gonna I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna basically let somebody else come in. Okay, thanks so much for calling in, Shira. Okay. Okay. We are bringing in Eric. You are on the mic. Thanks. Thank you, Savvy. Thanks for taking my, my call, Savvy. Hey, so welcome. I was looking up into this the, the 
Thank you. Thank you. I was looking into the Brett Farr thing, and it looks like this goes back to 2021. It's not something like new, but I guess maybe now it's kind of gained more steam. But it's relatively, you know, it's been out there for a while. Uh, I wasn't aware of it until you talked about it today. I had no idea this was going on. Um, so do you like think, the, oh, yes. really quick, do you think that they're reporting about this now because of the water crisis in Jackson? It, it could be. It could be because of that. Uh, I mean, the mainstream media had it because uh, I looked it up right, right before I called to you. I, I can see some clips from back in 2021 where they were saying that, uh, you know, that he had done something and they were trying to get the money back from him. Um, and, and some other clips that I saw, I said that he was going to give the money back. And I guess whoever the state uh, head of this department had made some really bad decisions where he was putting the money and then they were contrasting that with the fact that a lot of people get denied um, getting access to 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 welfare. And mm -hmm. at the same time, this guy's giving out the money while at the same time they're basically saying no to people that possibly actually do need the money. And then they were giving out this money uh, to Brett Favre. And I think something to do with uh, some sort of volleyball or some sort of team that, that they had out there for women. But just something that didn't make any sense. Uh, <laughs> Just, just poor decisions, you know, that they made. But, you know, they're going to sweep this under the rug just like they did Flint. I mean, Flint is the perfect example of how the country does not care for people of color and poor people of color and poor white people, just poor people in general, uh, because they move mountains to get all that money out to Ukraine in a matter of, like, weeks. You know, they sent all these billions of dollars and then these from Flint have been there for, I don't know, it's got to be more than 10 years now. And nothing happens. I mean, you, nothing's happened. Any, anything substantial has not happened. They've come in and just redo their infrastructure. And they should have been helping these people long ago. And it's our money. That's the other thing that kind of sucks. If you think about it, Savvy, the money that we're saying that these guys, the government should be giving these people, it's our money. It's not their money. And we have no way, no mechanism in our voting system to actually go in and say, we want this money to go here. You know what I mean? And that's part of the problem, too. I think the way that we the way our, our system works, it does not allow for us, the people to speak and say where we can prioritize the money to go to every year, because if we had that mechanism to do so, I think the money would be better spent in some ways, if that makes sense. Yeah, I agree, a kid. Um, I think, you know, you reminded me of something that someone told me before about the school districts. And they were saying before that people who live in the district should have a say so of how the money is spent because we, we live in the district, but we don't. The school board, they decide all that. And it's like, we don't really have that much of a say so as you would think that we would, uh, considering the fact that they're, the politicians are supposed to serve the people. They're, our, they're supposed to, I don't, you know, they don't really yeah. do that most of the time, but we don't really have that much to say so. And the fact that they knew that this, this plant was an issue for years, like the mayor said that he had been complaining about this for, this is like decade long about it. You don't wait until the problems get worse. And now you try to fix it because now it's going to be even more expensive than it would have been if you would have taken care of it many years. Yeah, well, that's correct.
You know, what I've learned just the, in my own professional experience is that a lot of times those at the very top operationally, day to day, they don't know how to really prioritize the money. And, but if you can give some more governance over the people that are actually dealing with the problems day to day, they can help set the priorities much better than the people at the top that are further away from the problems. And, and there's ways to do it in a way that's meaningful and still have governance over it if you do it the right way. And, and, and this part of the, you know, the way that these problems come about where the decisions are being made by people that are not attached to the problems, to the cities or the counties where they're happening. And so they just kind of bury them and they could just detach themselves completely from it, you know, because you can imagine if these people, you know, with the water problems, if they actually lived in those communities, they would be screaming to say, we got to... can't do this because my kids or my uh -oh. family, my, if, if bearing the Yeah. So, I know. You know I, I, I just wish that we could have more people and we just don't have them right now. There's nobody in government that even talks about these problems. I mean, literally, there should be like these big signs at the steps of the White House or the steps of Congress saying how many days has the problem in Flint, Michigan been going, you know? So, something that I would say, like, you know, actually quantify all these problems that we don't take care of. And then we go and send all the money, our money to these other places. I, you know, and I wanna help people in other countries, but it's just, we should start here and we should start with the people that have the least so that we can actually have a bending ground uh, for other countries. We, we have no moral standing against anybody. We can't really complain against anybody for what they do. So, but yes, good I mean, points, I wanna, Eric. I'm going to let you go. Thank you so much for letting me speak and have a good, hopefully you, you got some brew and or some beer that you can take tonight. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much, Eric. I'm going to go to uh, Rod here to get his take on this. So, Roger, you just have to unmute. Am I unmuted? I can hear you. Hey, Savvy. Am I echoing now? No, you're I'm, not. Okay. I'm not in the car using Bluetooth. I'm at home, so I hope I'm not echoing now. Um, yeah. So I'm going to come on and say this. I'm going to come back and respond to what you and JB did on 99 yesterday. Try to be the last one on that because I got a lot to say on that. But on this one right here. Okay, so to answer Sura's question, um, you know I write stuff down, Savvy. Um, Libby, Monta uh, Libby Montana, Medicare for All was done by Obama at the pleading of Democrat anti ACA Senator Max Baucus, who told Obama, I will vote for the ACA if and only if you give universal health care to Libby. Now, that's what I call looking out for your constituency. That that article was written in the American Prospect. So he had he had some type of leverage. He used his leverage. That was smart. Uh huh. And he used it. 
And he used it for his constituents. You usually these guys are using leverage for their donors. He actually used it for his constituents. Like, wow. Um, that whole thing you said about city government can't raise or create new taxes without the approval of the state. That is a regular thing, I believe, around the country. Um, this is the same problem that New York City has. They can't do anything with taxes unless the state government gives them permission. Now, I would normally say Jackson needs a public bank because you can use it to build the surplus without having to raise or create new taxes. Um, also, uh, but the thing is, they would probably need permission from the state to be able to charter a public bank. Because, um, yeah, because I know that's what, you know, like the, um, those cities in California that are starting a public bank, like L.A. and a couple of others, they needed that bill to pass in, in the state to give them a permission slip, just like the New York Public Banking Act gives a permission slip to municipalities to start their own public bank to, you know, uh, infrastructure. Um, but in a case like this, this is where... A nat the National Infrastructure Bank can come in, you know, where it generates $100 trillion infrastructure. Um, now, if you remember yesterday, my comment was that uh, we need, presidents need to stop trusting governors. The federal government needs to stop trusting governors, mayors, county executives with federal money and resources. This whole thing, give the money to us, give the money to us, we'll know what to do with it. No, we, no, we understand, we know exactly what to do with it. Yeah, you know, we know exactly where it needs to go in the federal government, like, okay, yeah, here you go. And then you have problems like this. This is not nothing new. Yeah, it, it's a crime. It, but the thing is, even if it was prosecuted and justice was done, the end of the day, that money still did not get to where it needed to go because that money was all, already spent. So now you got to go through the whole thing, the lawsuit and... You, it might take years before you see the money and all that stuff. Is yeah, can I um can I chime can in it? here for just a yeah, second? Yeah, 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 yeah. That ahead. also reminds me about the PPE loans because uh -huh. that was another another example where the federal government trusted the governors to distribute the money the way that they were supposed to, and in some states the money didn't even get to all the the people it was supposed to get to the small businesses. That's why a lot of them had closed. Mm-hmm. And this goes all the way back to, to FDR, maybe even before him. You know what I mean? That's that's because when he when he gave the money to the states and municipalities, they made sure that money never got to the black neighborhoods during Jim Crow. You know what I'm saying? So that was you know like this. This is just a regular practice that the federal government does. So if you remember my comment yesterday, I said when it comes to federal money, we need a law. An amend, a federal law amendment to the Const U.S. Constitution that says when it comes to federal money being distributed to the states and municipalities, the federal government must be the sole deliverer of distribution 100% in charge of the delivery process. It should be the federal government's sole jurisdiction to make sure that federal money gets allocated to its intended target. Uh, federal civil servants should be tasked with going into these communities, going into these neighborhoods that were targeted for resources and financial relief, sourced from whatever bill was passed into law to send help to that community, whether it's disaster relief, natural disaster or climate disaster or man-made disaster like this, 
they will be let them be tasked with specifically delivering those resources to those communities and also doing follow-ups for those communities for years to come to make sure they're still getting what they need. No in-betweeners or relegated to any other entity or government. This shall be the federal government's sole jurisdiction. You don't have, the FBI does not give it to the local police to investigate federal crimes. Okay, why are we doing it this way? That makes absolutely, positively no sense at all. You know, if you owe somebody money, you know the rule. No in-between is you give it directly to that person. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or else that money is never going to make it. Or if it does, it's not going to make it in the same shape that it left. So, you know. That's a good point. I mean, that's like giving someone money, putting money in their hand and say, giving it to, give this to a certain person. It's just like, you hope that they'll do the right thing. They ain't going to do the right thing. <laughs> there's no, yeah, there's no guarantee. Guarantee. Um, I agree with you on that. Like, this is another example where the governor's, like, they just, they, they messed up. They're not spending the funds properly. But my question is, is there going to be any type of accountability? for the way they mishandled handled these funds? Most likely not. You know, not to be like a Debbie Downer, but it is most likely not. You know, that's that's why I say to, 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 to just nip it in the bud, you know, like, I know I say state-by-state state strategy, blah, 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 so on and so forth. I'm for doing stuff state-by-state. State. But like in cases like this, you need a, you need an amendment to the constitution, which would be better, or at least the federal law that says no. You know, if, if you, hey governors, if you wanna be in charge of delivering money to, in maze, you wanna be in charge of delivering money to these things, fine, then you generate it through having, through a public bank, raising taxes or creating new taxes on, under your government, okay? But this right here is gonna be for us. Assist with state resources created from state revenue that you got from, you know, raising taxes on people, you know, rich, public bank, whatever. Okay, but no, you're not touching this money. You know, simple as that. You know, so. But that's it. I'll, I'll be back as, as, as the last call to respond to what you and JB talked about 99. Okay, yesterday. awesome. Sounds good. Well said. Thank you so much for that. Um, I'm going right. to bring in um, Esme. Yeah, Esme, you are on the mic. You just have to unmute. Just have to hit the unmute button or I can. Uh... Hello. Oh, okay, I see you. Can you hear me? I can, I can hear you. Oh, awesome. Yeah, my app just kind of closed for a second, so I got paranoid. <laughs> but thanks for taking my call. Um, I won't be too long because technically I'm at work, but I have some downtime. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, All uh, right, yeah, go ahead. I'm out west, um, but I have lived in Boston, lived in Worcester, um, and more recently I lived in Ware, uh, W-A-R-E. I don't know if you're familiar with that town at all. Yeah, I know where that's at. Right, so that's pretty much where the Quabbin is. And um, so it's kind of funny because Ware doesn't get their water, obviously, from the Quabbin. They get it from some sort of like swamp. <laughs> and, 
And so their water is like uh, infamous for being terrible. Um, and it, like, it'll come out orange or brown. It will smell bad. Uh, it'll like give you a rash sometimes. <laughs> Nowhere near like what Mississippi or you know, Flint's dealing with. Um, but just to say that even Massachusetts has water issues as well. It's kind of like, I can only imagine how many towns have water issues uh, just nationally. Um, I don't really understand why or how Flint residents haven't like rioted yet. It's been what, seven years? Oh, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact like people don't have time to protest or, or riot per se because they're too busy working. And and yeah. that's a big part of it. And I, I know for a fact, uh, when I lived in South Carolina, the tap water wasn't uh, good. So I used to buy bottled water and bottled water is expensive. So I think yeah. that that could be part of it. Another part of it, I think, too, was the fact that Obama went to Flint. I, I remember seeing this and he told the residents there that the water was fine. Just yeah, <laughs> straight out lied to them. Well. Yeah. <laughs> pretend to drink the water in front of them and you know it's this was it's another example honestly yeah it's another example where the, the government the federal government really should have provided more relief for the residents in flint and they also should have held uh the political parties that were involved they should have held them accountable um i think there may be something coming that way uh, soon from something that I read, I think they may be trying to hold someone accountable, but you're right. It's been years and they still have to deal with this. Like the water is basically poisoning the people there. But again, like I said, it's a one of those working class towns, predominantly African-American and people don't care. They're just like, oh, well, whatever. You know, it's just it's it's insane to me that that was even allowed to happen to begin with. I know it kind of really boggles the mind because it goes against everything. I mean, granted, I'm I'm white <laughs> and grew up in like basically the suburbs, but you know, it goes against everything that you're taught in in school, like public school as to like what you can expect from the government when things go wrong. Um it's not that I was just disillusioned today, but um it's kind of paralyzing you know to even know where to start with all of these issues um because like you said you're just trying to make ends meet but um I actually wanted to comment on uh what Eric said because I I agree with the majority of what he says whenever I hear him talk <laughs> but I would add that you know yes we shouldn't uh, trust the governors as much, but that also assumes that we can trust the federal government because of what we were just talking about. Like, if anything, my pessimistic mind goes to like, it incentivizes them when there's a public, you know, water crisis because they can privatize everything or like allow by not doing anything, corporations to come in and quote unquote solve the problem. Um, it almost That's seems right. like they're working against themselves. And I mean, my thing is I I would like the, at least the states, like let's take Massachusetts, for example. Um, like, why aren't they audited? You know, why aren't they 
why why isn't it public knowledge where all of our tax money is going it should be distributed in my opinion distributed in like a quarterly report or annual report as to like where exactly the tax dollars were spent and like i work at a state university out here <laughs> and i'll tell you that uh they still haven't given us our covid hazard pay uh <laughs> <laughs> and I'm in a union uh, and they're, you know, building million dollar dormitories, like doing construction work, like they're just pissing money away. And then you see that like corporations have essentially like quote unquote sponsored, but really bought out entire academic departments, especially yep. the science departments. And it's just like the university is just not as a microcosm is not at all how it was even like you know 10 years ago when i went there <laughs> as a student and so i'm just wondering like how is it that our, all of our roads suck but we're paying so much in taxes like even the weed tax is 20 percent. where is all of that money going to that is a very good question, Esme. So for people who aren't aware, uh, marijuana is legalized here in Massachusetts, and we also have uh, cannabis shops. In fact, we, we actually have a pretty pretty good amount. Uh, they have definitely increased over the past couple of years. And so that's more money and revenue that comes into the state. It's also taxed. And I don't know where that is going, but she's right. Our roads are quite a mess. Every time I drive over the bridge, it's like I say a quick prayer because I don't know. I'm like, is, is this how it ends? <laughs> because or like, even in the tunnel, it's terrifying. Yes. <laughs> like going to Logan when I have to go there once in a while now, it's absolutely terrifying because I see all of, like the water leakage and like the cracks in the wall. <laughs> and I'm like, where is the money going? So like not just Massachusetts, but nationally you know, kind of like in the same vein as a Freedom of Information Act, like we want to know where the hell this money is going. And I would love to be able to trust the federal government, you know, over the governors, but it's like they keep sending our money <laughs> away. Uh, so it's like, it kind of feels like damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. But the reason, um, yeah, I would say the reason why our infrastructure, well, at least for Massachusetts, I can speak why it's it's so poor is because they haven't been spending funds the way that they were supposed to. The big dig, I mean, look how long that took to happen oh, yeah. and, and all the money <laughs> that was wasted on that project over the years. And then on top of that, I mean, the bridges here, a lot of them are old. I mean, for those who don't know, Boston's old. So a lot of the bridges are old. Uh, the Tobin Bridge needs to be completely rebuilt. Like, it really is not safe, like, driving across the Tobin Bridge. And if you've ever yeah. driven across it, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, I but, do. But also to add to that, the MBTA, which is the public transportation system here, under uh, Deval Patrick's uh, governor, you know, governorship, they weren't even doing maintenance requirements on the trains. So that went on for years. And that is why the train system right now is so bad. That's why they had to shut down the orange line and they had to shut down the green line or part of the green line right now for 30 days because they were not keeping up with the maintenance on those trains. You have to do maintenance. I think it's every five years. They weren't even doing it. So where did all that money go? Yeah, no, I agree. I remember when I lived in Boston uh, for a few years, uh, I would have to take the orange line every day. 
Um, and I mean, regardless of what line it was on, maybe save for the blue line, like there is always some sort of outage or an issue. But the alewife line, like those are the nicest cars. <laughs> you know, those are yep. the nicest looking ones. And I'm sure that because they go through Cambridge, that might be why. Right. It's, you know, it's, I've never seen a public transportation system this poor. I, I really haven't. I lived in New York, you know, before I lived in Boston. So I was used to a transit system that runs pretty much 24 hours. And Boston's transit system does not. Not only that, it breaks down all the time. Like there was there was no guarantee that you were going to be on time for work. There's just none because you no. can be halfway there and then it breaks down. And if you have to transfer a train, you have to transfer from a train to a bus. Forget it. Like your timing has to be right on the dime. Otherwise you end up waiting another 20 minutes for the next bus. So these are all problems that could have been handled long ago, but they allowed, um, they've allowed it to get to this point. And it just makes you wonder why, like just to wrap it back around and I'll, I'll you know, go in a minute here. Um, but just like, why, you know, like what is the incentive? Are they trying to implode the system from within? Because that's what it feels like. It feels like they're just, you know, trying to enrich themselves before they abandon ship. <laughs> yeah, and I feel I like really know what to do about it. And I know that there's people like you, thank God, and you know, people like Jimmy Dore who brought me to your show. Um, so it de it definitely helps. But there are times when thinking about this, I wake up in the morning and I'm like. How do I just go about my day? You know, I feel this sense of sea, but I have no like way to channel it. I'm I don't have a social life really outside of work. <laughs> so it's like, you know, it feels very uh a lot of impotent rage, <laughs> I guess you could say. No, I totally understand. I think that um once you start to see this stuff, like I know when I started watching like independent media, once you start to see it, it's it's hard for you to unsee it. And then you want to tell other people about it, right? Because most people don't know. Most people just watch mainstream media. So they don't know these things are happening or they're only getting like one, one narrative. And then you want to tell other people. And then some of them may be uh, receptive to it. And some of them may, may, may get mad at you. <laughs> some people yeah, I mean, have gotten you mad at really me. You talk to anyone, like whether they're so-called right or left at least around even in amherst like the ukraine fever is still alive and well out here um mm -hmm. i just moved into a new place and like my neighbor has her porch lights blue and yellow people have like <laughs> rain shorts on like anthony fauci candles like votive candles and i'm sitting here like what the hell like is going on <laughs> Americans are incredibly propagandized. And I think that um, you would have thought that after the Iraq war, that more people would be a little bit more cautious, per se, just a little bit, you know, kind of like, okay, we went through this before. They lied about the war in Iraq. Maybe it's possible they may not be telling the complete truth about what's happening in Ukraine and Russia. But no, people are falling for it again. Right. That and just like, the entire way that they handled the pandemic and like left everybody floundering on the bottom. Yep. 
Like yep. they can they can talk about Ukraine all day long, but they haven't given their tradespeople, their janitors, you know, nope. their food service people COVID hazard pay that they should have gotten two years ago. So well, they tried they tried to come back. Uh, I think it was earlier this year and tried to give out five hundred dollars, and I'm like five hundred dollars after everything that people went through. They just had this perception that when they did shut things down here in Massachusetts, that, okay, everybody can just work from home. Not everybody can work from home. That was a, that was a big part of the problem. Like, what about people who are the essential workers, people that work in the hospitals, the clinics, people that work in restaurants, people that work in bars? Like, what were those people supposed to do? You can't do that from home. So they didn't think about that. I wish I could clean toilets from home with my mind. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, I'll let the next caller get in, but it was a pleasure to talk to you. And uh, if I can help you in any way in Massachusetts, you know, I'll email you and you can let me know anytime. Awesome. Thank you so much, Esme. Thank you. Take care. All right. I'm going to bring in uh, the Dave here. Um. Yeah, I'm going to get started with the Massachusetts RBN on the ground chapter when I start working on that when I get back from Camp Dada, um, because I really want to get that going. Dave, how are you doing? You just have to unmute. It's the Dave. Just have to hit that unmute button or I can um, invite you to speak. This app is something else, you guys. I got to tell you. Can you hear me, Sadie? I, I was, uh, can you hear me at all? Is it picking up? Yeah. Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, great, great. Yeah, I was trying to, I'm, I'm trying to have some positive energy tonight, but hearing you talk about the big dig and all that, like the, the I was kind of relating that to the Mississippi, the situation with how to, how we can get the money to fix the fix the water system uh, that mayor I'm sure mayor uh, the mayor there is trying like he was he was a radical mayor right he's like he's down with the uh, the cooperation Jackson people like Cali Acuno and like he was kind of part of their movement when he came into office I think isn't that isn't that wasn't that the thing with him I don't know him that well but. I believe, I believe so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so he was a movement. It shows that even when you have, you know, what's interesting about that is like an observation I can make is, I'll try to make an intelligent comment, right? Because people listen to like uh, an intelligent lecture, but they don't appreciate like an entertaining, intelligent comment or lecture. So, but I, you know, I guess what I was going to say is that even though um, his dad ran, and then I guess he got in running on like a economic empowerment kind of a radical platform, but like it shows that even mayors uh, that run on that like the platform was much more radical, was much more grassroots than like Michelle Wu's in Boston. But now he's he's going to get caught between right now he's caught between a lot of different forces. Right now, so I guess yeah, I, I, what I would, yeah. 
like, you know, that guy is, that he's a pretty principled guy. I mean, that's a guy who's like, he has the charisma and the intelligence to really do the job he's doing as mayor, but he, and he had, and he ran on a, uh, like a Bernie, like a, uh, Dennis Kucinich, like economic platform with like a black power aspect to it. And then he, but he still, he's like kind of pincered in between the federal and the state and all that. So I'm just thinking about this, how, like what we can do, how, how we can prevent Nestle from buying private, when, when water's now on Wall Street, water is a, water is a commodity. On wall, all the water on the planet is a, com- a traded commodity on the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, now, it's only been that way for three years, I guess. So, I don't know. I don't know what to do. It's, it's crazy. Uh, I mean, I guess you could we listen to Roger and others educate us on uh, which, like, on federal and state law, like money allocation, how those currently happen, and we could, you know, cause the demonstrations that change change the way that happens. Um, that's one reflection from here. Um, I think that's, I'm going to mute you just for a second, Dave, so I don't get echo. Um, oh, I'm not getting the echo. Okay. Hello? I think, I think that's, um, a really good point. And I think we have to pay attention to some of these, these candidates that run on like these pretty progressive messages, but then they get into office and they kind of. You, you kind of realize they're more like... Yeah, hello? Oh, I'm not hearing... Uh, oh. Let's see. I don't know if people can hear me. I, I, I thought maybe I might hear Sabby. Um, if you guys can hear me in the chat, can you give me a thumb? Okay, they can hear me, Dave. Let me... Let me um, hold on, let me... Okay, I, Dave, I muted you for just a second. Um... But I think that we just have to pay attention to some of those politicians that run on like those progressive messages, even some of the local ones like Michelle Wu is a perfect example that you brought up because then they get into office and they, they just operate more so like liberals. So we have to like pay attention to that. I like, can't whatever. If you guys can hear me at all, I, can't, I wasn't speaking because I was I was I stopped talking. I was waiting for see if Tabby let Tabby talk. Um. Let's see. Okay. All right. I'm I'm gonna go to the next. So I'm one. still speaking. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Hey. So, so my I reflection think- on Mississippi, like on the or my thing, what I might say about the funds in Mississippi is that we have to create a crisis that changes how the federal and state governments treat large large labor projects because right now i think they i think they see it as like you got it's like a big pie it's like a big huge wedding cake or pie and each and each politician the state and federal they just wait for each a labor union a contractor a local politician that represents several to like kind of get a chunk of each of the business of that and the politicians are just skilled at doling out the the work and the money that goes to different people and 
but so it becomes like an influence contest where people where it really should be like at the federal level people should at the federal at the highest level or the highest whatever is powerful local or whatever is powerful at the highest in, integrated level we have to be making choices like sensible choices about you know about freeing the water <laughs> and about having sensible you know sensible public infrastructure so that's what i would say right now i mean that's my that's sort of my opinion i I don't know if I'm offering much on the Mississippi situation. No, I think those are all good points, Dave. I think those are all good points. Um, I am gonna I'm gonna go to the the next caller. Yep. I think we might be experiencing a little bit of technical glitches, but I'm gonna go ahead and bring in uh, Kevin. Kevin. You are the next uh, caller. Just gotta hit unmute. Hi, Sebby Shabs. Hey, how are you? Found you on Jimmy, and Jimmy's been my my news source for about four years now. Oh, so, awesome! That's great. Um, no, what I wanted to talk about was uh, I heard about the Mississippi stuff. Like, was Brett Favre doing the speeches like Obama, where he's taking money and taking money? That's what it seems like. Okay. Um, and then I also saw the thing on Jimmy Dore today about Arizona stealing or uh, Saudi stealing Arizona water pretty much for free. And oh. Yeah, it's called Fondamonte or whatever, and they pay like twenty five dollars for like an acre or like a like just a ridiculous amount of water. So is that why Arizona is short on water as well? Uh, well, that, and we've just been dry and, you know, we have tons of fires and, um, pretty much what I've heard so far is they're sacrificing Hoover Dam to save Powell. So, um, Hoover Dam, they've already found, I think five bodies and it's almost a Deadpool. Oh my God. I, you have to tell me about, um, you have to tell me a little bit about Arizona because I've, I've never Um, been and, um. I've I've watched a couple of of shows um, on YouTube, and it was people who uh, lived in Arizona. Um, well, I mean, it, there, there's a lot like out away from the city, like so you you can go out on drives, and you can go to you know you go Bisbee, you can go to you know you go you go to Lake Havasu, you can go to Left Flagstaff. Um, but here in town, I mean, it's mostly sports venues and just consumerism. So I mean, you're you're consuming. We're consuming as much as we can, and it's really weird down here too because they're doing all kinds of road construction, and they just keep going over it, over it again. Like they keep going back through everything. <laughs> Interesting. You guys have a lot of transplants there, right? Huh? You guys have a lot of transplants there. Trans? What? What is that? Transplants. Transplants. Like um, people there. Uh, yeah, there's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a very, yeah, there's houses going up everywhere. Um, that's the other thing that's scaring the shit out of me is like, um, I've got a house down here that was 130 and I've got people calling for it for like 320 and it's like, holy crap. Wow. wow. So it's like, and then, um, I'm a home designer and I do most of my work in, uh, Nevada and Montana and I did one for a million and it sold for five. Jesus Christ. I, I don't the, the Henderson or the Raiders came in and just 
made everything unaffordable in Vegas, it seems like. And they pretty much built the whole south end of town to be like Raiderville, USA. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's interesting. But, um, and then what was the other thing? Yeah, the Saudis. And then I was wondering what you thought about for like a protest on like the mandate since it's still for like traveling because I found out about it because my parents are going to Hawaii so they had to get more boosters again I was wondering like maybe do like a trucker convoy to the airports what do you think that would be interesting I um I didn't realize that was still a requirement I didn't either until uh, until my parents yeah like yeah they're going in to get their I was like that's it it doesn't make any sense. My my mom and dad have already had, I don't even know how many boosters. <laughs> they, they're, they're, they're 70 and 60, so it's like they, they, they're just going to do it. I, I, can't, I can't tell them what to do anymore. So it's like, I love them. <laughs> Guys, this is crazy. At this point, the... At this point, the the CDC has already come in and said that it doesn't yeah. prevent you from getting it. Yeah, right. I, I don't get it. I'm still unvaxxed. And I mean, when the vax rolled out, they caught, they literally called me every day to get it. And it's like, no, I'm not doing it. Not, not right now. And I got Delta in this year. And that's where I, I might be thinking about having the myocarditis. Cause I've been having a lot of chest pains lately. So I don't know what that's all about either. Oh dear. I, I just, I, I just, Oh my God. I can't, I can't. It just, it's, 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 it's ridiculous it, at this point. And what was it? The monkey pox. What was that door? The door, the door, for whatever, just put a bandaid on it. <laughs> <laughs> and I think they said put a bandaid on it and then pants optional. Cause it was one of those ass friendly gay festivals or whatever. I wonder how many, <laughs> I, you know, this is going to be in the history books, right? You guys, like we're going to be in the history books. And I wonder if, future generations are going to read this in their history books and just laugh at us. Right. Well, I mean, we, we all came into the technology age, not knowing really anything and no, no, no real parameters on it. That's true. true. And I mean, there, there was no restrictions back in the day for computers. You could do whatever you want with them. That's true. Now it's it's just become a big giant conglomerate and, I think I saw that one with it was I think it was the whistleblower Bill Binney where he was doing the thin thread and I watched that good uh, I think it's called the Good American on Tubi that was pretty he he outlined like how we could have saved nine eleven but they didn't implement thin thread. That's interesting. You <laughs> hear about after the fact like years later. It, it's amazing how many whistleblowers have come forward and it's just like they all just get shit on and then like the ones that are testifying in court right now are just you know actors <laughs> yeah pretty much i just you know I, I don't know what's going to happen um but i i hope more people are starting to to wake up somewhat mm-hmm. um i it's still not enough for me but hopefully more people are starting to see what's really going on here uh it it's hard to even try even like to talk to a trump supporter is just so hard because it's like you can't talk to them without them just going straight to, you know, if you're not, it's with them. If you're not with them, you're against them mentality with, and it's like, it resonated with them more than anybody. It's interesting. Like my, my friend, um, and that's what one of my best, is now. 
Yeah, one of my best friends from high school voted for Trump, but she's not, I guess you wouldn't call her a Trumper per se. Those people where she votes for her party. So even if it would have yeah, been yeah, R if it's an R, if it's an R, it's a D U D. Yeah, that's and that's the other thing. Like Jesse yeah. Ventura says, like stop doing that. Like that's that's mm-hmm. not the way you're supposed to do it. And I, I wish know. he would have ran. If he'd have ran, it would have been interesting as hell. Like he would have, he would have, because and I don't know if a lot of people know this, but Donald Trump stole right from from Jesse Ventura's playbook. You think he, so? He, he copied every single thing. If you listen to how um, Jesse Ventura was elected governor in two, in two thousand, I think it was the same same exact thing. He went and he went and did all the college campuses and rounded up all the kids because none of the kids were voting. So he said, "Those are my potential voters." And you know that's what Trump did. He went and started doing rallies, and he found his potential voters. That was smart. Smart. Yeah. Only thing is, he just you know, went went off the crazy train, and you can't really even talk to most of them because right right off the bat, when you try to talk to them, they just call you a pedophile. And it's like, why even deal with it? <laughs> well, well, what I've kind of learned to do is, you know, just talk to people, try to just talk to them about the issues. Okay. You know, um, not necessarily tell them like when I've had these conversations with people off with. I'm a, I was a Bernie Sanders supporter because mm-hmm, that yeah. <laughs> that part right I, there would turn some people off. I'm nothing, and I li- I was on a call in earlier, and we were talking, and they said that you know instead of using all these different labels and stuff, start off with independent, where you're you're neither you you don't associate <laughs> with either one of those kooks. You know what I mean? So that that sounded like a good idea. Yeah, because once you once you align, once you start off the conversation with. I was, a, I'm a part of this party. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You can lose people. I, it's, it's crazy. And if it, you don't know how to even react to it. Cause you know, all they, all they, all they really have is the pedophile angle. And it's like, they, then they just go after you for it. And it's like, you guys, you can't just make up your own rules on shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. And the other, the other, well, the other comical thing about that is, is most Christians are damn near born-again born Catholics, and they didn't care about it for 2,000 years for pedophilia with all the priests, you know what I mean? So it's like it, it, none of it ever makes sense with, with you know, the, the ones that just sit there and think that freedom is freedom. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, people definitely turned a blind eye for that for a long time. Long time. But I think that, you know, all we can do is like, I, I think you have the right idea of like starting off with, look, I'm independent. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't care for either one of the two psycho parties. Let's talk. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yeah, I, guess I'll, I guess I'll have to go to those. I guess I'll have to go to those links to see what happens. <laughs> yeah. But, I'm interested to hear from people, too, who have mm, done uh, activism, activism back in the past. I never have. I'm a straight up introvert and I hate crowds. So it's just, it's one of those things that's hard for me to do. So it's like, it's, I'm working my way into it. So. Yeah, it can be tricky, but I'm curious to know, like, how did they get people to come together? You know, I think it was just over the issues, not so much about politics. The, the Trump supporters, a lot, a lot of the activists, like from, 
I guess I'm saying generation, a lot of the activists from like the 60s and the 70s and like, how were they able to get so many people to come together? And I think it's because they just focused on the issues, maybe not necessarily the politics per se. Well, that and it just feels like, you know, and I was having a talk with my dad today and he said we were having a generational thing. And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, you know, boomers in the silent generation are doing everything right now. Gen Xers are still asleep from what I can tell. I, I can't wake up any of them. And millennials and Gen Z are just so, you know, riddled with anxiety, depression, PTSD, everything known in the book, because we've had 20 years of straight up chaos. That's a good way of putting it in reference to um, to millennials and and Gen Z. We have had like 20 years of straight up chaos. Mm -hmm. It's just been one thing after another. And they wonder why so many of us are just like stressed out. Well, that and it's like most of us just want to burn the system down and none of them understand why. It's like, how about you start to understand why Why we want to burn the system down? There's no reason for us to have the system if it doesn't work. That's right. That's a good point. Well, that's a good point. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for calling in. I'm going to go to the next caller. You yep. Have a good day. You good too. Okay, we're bringing in Bad. You are on the mic. Hello, Sebby. I hope you're having a good evening. I am. I hope you are, too. All right. Well, uh, regarding the Brett Favre story, um, I didn't really have much of a comment, but more of a question. Um, I think it's a, the Brett Favre story is a perfect example of comparing our, our national global elites here in America and our local elites because we even have corrupt local elites just like we do in in at lo- like the lobbyists and everyone who's corrupt in, in government right now. So <clears throat> my question to you is, uh, on the show you mentioned how this is a very frustrating thing. I want to know how, how does one, how does an individual rally a populace to fight against something of this nature? Because it's always frustrating to see these kinds of things, and it always makes you feel powerless. But not everyone is powerless. There's power to be had in the in in uh, rallying the people. So I I I would like to know what would be a good starting point to start saying to these people, "Hey, this is something really important. We should wake up about." And it's just that simple question. That's all I have for you. I think the first thing to do is to try to rally the people that have been affected by it, right? So the people that have been impacted by these decisions. And it's going to be tough because a lot of time is working class and poor people. And a lot of times they don't have the time to protest or to strike because they're working all the time. And that's why I feel like that's by design, to keep you working, to keep you busy so that you don't have the capacity or the energy to go out there and to protest. You know, that could mean you could lose your job. Uh, You could get arrested. You could lose your job because you got arrested. So I think that you have to go first start with the people that have been affected. And for the people, there may be some that do have the time. So for the people that do have the time, rally them. And then, you know, we do have like a lot of technology. So some of these discussions can be had over, you know, some of these, maybe not Twitter space is not always the best place, to be honest with you. But some of these conversations can be had over like a Zoom call 
or a Google Hangout, something like that. Um, a lot of people, most people have cell phones or like a smartphone. So you can have those discussions and start to figure out how do we move forward. I think another group to, to seek out is going to be one of these activist groups that are doing a lot of work for communities on the ground. So someone mentioned earlier Operation Jackson. That's a really good group to contact and say, hey, this is going on. Uh, how can you help support the people in the communities that have been affected, right? So contacting those groups that are skilled and trained and, and experienced with helping out communities, that is going to be a big one. Because like I said, a lot of the people affected usually won't have the time to put into it. So contacting those activist groups. And then the, the, thir the third group, this should be the last group, the third group that you contact, you got to contact people who have the resources. And this is where, I think this, this is where it can become a little bit different <laughs> because sometimes the people that have the resources don't want to participate and don't want to get involved because they're not affected, right? <laughs> it doesn't, um, it doesn't directly impact them, but some of them do want to get involved. And I think finding those people is going to be crucial because you're going to need resources. Like if people are striking for days or protesting for days, you're going to need some type of mutual aid to help those people in the short term to keep them going so that they can pay their rent, so that they can put food on the table for their family. So I think those three groups are the ones that you should reach out to and you have to leave a political party out of it. Like, for example, the water crisis situation that's happening in Jackson, Mississippi, the focus should just be on that situation, not Republicans did this, Democrats did that. Because if you do that, that's when you're going to lose people. You're going to lose support. That's fantastic. That was actually going to be my follow-up question is how do you keep political biases out of situations like that? And just to make sure I, I am... Uh understanding you correctly, the best people to, to start to rally are the people initially, the people that are affected, but within those people are the people that can rally that have the time to do so, because not everyone, like you said, not everyone has the time. And then um, to contact groups that have experience in helping the communities in within the community. And then the lastly, and most importantly, probably would be those that have the resources to help the communities. Am I interpreting your words correctly? That's right. And a good example of this is this organization I used to volunteer for when I was in high school is Habitat for Humanity. Habitat for Humanity, what do they do? They build homes, right? There's no political party associated with it. Like it, no one cares if you're Republican or Democrat, you're all coming together because you want to help build homes. So that's why I say it's important to just target the issue at hand and don't start pointing fingers and blaming it's the Republicans fault, it's the Democrats fault because that's when you're going to lose support. Fantastic. Thank you, Sandy. Uh Thanks for your time. I just wanted some uh, insight on this. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Okay, we're going to bring in uh, Brady here. So, Brady, you are the next caller. What's up, Sabrina Arena? I have some good information for you. Uh, Y'all touched on the financialization of nature in the last, in the talk of the last guest. And, like, I did some quick math crunching, and it would only cost $8 million 
to give every citizen in Flint, Michigan, a water distiller. They could distill their own water, make completely pure, clean water. Now, that's like completely unnecessary. We could, for much less than that, uh, have a centralized water filtration system that produces distilled water and puts it in their water towers. And um, that can be done probably a lot cheaper than what we're currently, the way we're currently treating water. Um, and I dropped a, an article, a resource on the financialization of natural commons, which is essentially what we saw happen in the, the education and the market and stuff like that, where if you wanted a house or a college education, you essentially had to finance it. And so they're attempting to do the same thing with natural resources right now, believe it or not. And so here's an article to that from nodealfornature.org. And it's nice to meet you, Bad Pitties. I'm glad you are making use of that resource. And I don't know where that's coming from. It's not me, though. There's, there's nobody yelling at me, I promise. <laughs> but um, uh, interesting guest, uh, somebody whose name I never hear mentioned, I feel enough, would be Whitney Webb and James Corbett. I just want to give a shout out to James Corbett of the Corbett Report. I believe that he is the first person I have heard about the financialization of nature from was the James Corbett Report. So if we could get him on some interviews, God, that guy is a human encyclopedia of information, just an absolutely brilliant journalist. And unfortunately, not that many people know who he is because he's banned from YouTube. So yeah. Sorry, guys. I hope y'all got that. Everybody get that? I'm going to drop James Corbett's name in the, in the comments. Thanks so much for that, Brady. That's uh, really good information. Um, yeah, it's a gentleman. I forget his name. I, I have to double check my emails, but there was a gentleman. I saw him on an interview, and he actually created, like, his own water, excuse me, his own uh, water system, and it was a mobile water system. And I think from what I understand, like he started an organization, I think they're trying to help people in Flint. I have to go back through my emails because I, I know I, I wanted to reach out to him. Um, but that guy, it's phenomenal, like how he has created this. And imagine if we had, I don't know, several hundreds of those, right? And we could distribute those across the United States to communities that don't have clean drinking water, right? Um, another issue I think we need to think about too, and this is a problem that we've had in Massachusetts. I think they're getting better with improving this, but lead. Uh, there are some communities in the United States that have lead in the pipes still. And you would think like in 2020, lead wouldn't be an issue anymore, but no, it's still an issue in some places. And I saw a news segment about this and some of the communities here in Massachusetts, there was still lead in the pipes. So that's going to affect the drinking water as well. So that's another issue that I think we should also focus on is getting rid, um, getting rid of lead because that's still an issue for whatever reason. All right, I'm bringing in uh, Amanda. You are next. Good evening, Sabrina. Um, thank you for having me. Um, interesting about Jackson really sad um, looking into it so this is kind of in my wheelhouse I was an elected board member on a board that was responsible for water and wastewater services in the community that I lived in so I looked back at the history of this particular treatment plant and just last year in 2021, they had some violations of discharge, and they had a fire at that site that 
screwed up the electricals and they haven't hadn't they had budgeted money already to spend to work on it it's just that it crapped out before they could no no pun intended it crapped out before they could actually spend the money to finish the engineering after they finished the environmental and it looks like they also sent the army corps of engineers down there in la in the last week or so to kind of look it over but they had also looked it over when there were previous violations the problem is going to always be there unless they they they've got a plant that's that's past its useful life and all of that is way more than people really need to know except that it's not just it's not just incompetence that's part of it it's also the fact that <clears throat> nobody wants their water and sewer rates to go up so people fight it when when they try to raise the rates in order to do the kind of upgrades and maintenance that's really required on these systems, which most people don't even think about because they're underground. So that's the first thing. Um, on, another thing is one of the things that I think it would be great to implement here, there's places in the world where they do it and there's towns I know in the country who do, who do something called participatory budgeting where there is um, a more of an interactive um, kind of activity where, where the community participates in deciding what the priorities are gonna be for the budget. And this, this kind of thing is done every year by your city, by your county, by your state. It's done every year. There are public hearings every year that explain exactly where things are going. Usually there's a summary that says, here's the priorities and how we're breaking down the budget. And if your public agency that's, that's over, that you vote for those people doesn't do that, once a year or once every two years, you really should insist that they do that because they, they should, the, all public budgets uh, should be done through public hearings no matter what state you live in. Most people just find it really boring. Same with audits. There are state auditors and I know my, I know in California, my local agency we had to hire an independent auditor every year to look at all of the books to make sure and, you know, look out for any irregularities or anything. But it's a very arcane process. But that happens probably across the country at public agencies, too. And that audit report is supposed to be able to be read by like your average non-accountant, but it's hard to understand but it's a good it's a good way in if you wanted to look at what's going on with that so i second the i bank and transportation funding a lot of it comes from federal government and um, well yeah, so yeah. thanks so much for that amanda quick question that report yeah. that you're referring to do you know yeah. if people can access that report online they should be able to, for sure. Yeah, I don't see why not because they're all public. They all be public record. Usually, you can get to stuff um, related to water and wastewater through the EPA. Federal is a good agency to go to. They have really good um, 
citizen tools, as they call them, where you can put in your zip code and it gives you back those all this environmental information about the area where you live. Okay, that's good to know. So everybody, everybody heard that that we can access this information. Um, sometimes, you know, it just means we have to, you know, do a little bit of uh, digging. But yeah. I'm assuming if you go to like your your state EPA. site gov. or your yeah okay epa.gov. I'm gonna put that in the chat. Mm -hmm. Um, because this is one of those things I think that, you know, they should teaching students this in school, right? They should be teaching yes, students like civics, <laughs> civics, man, not politics, civics over politics. That's my thing. We should have a coalition of independent voters and independent candidates. That's so civic. We should be do civics and not politics. That's, that's right. A lot of people don't know about these, uh, especially like some of these town halls that happen in, in your district, because like mm -hmm. for the longest time, I didn't know that these meetings were open to the public. I didn't even know these meetings were happening until a friend of mine asked me, hey, there's a meeting about the, them like, you know, adding uh, new condos and a, a, a new potential uh, development to the neighborhood. I didn't even know about like the city councilor meetings and all that stuff. And that's when I started to realize like, wait a minute, we actually could have found out about the events that are coming earlier yep. on. We yep. just didn't know about it. Yep. And now with email, it makes it really easy to just sign up with your local county or city. Just go to their website Sign up for the email. They'll send you the agenda for the upcoming meeting, usually three days ahead. In California, it's three days. I think that's probably fairly common. And because they have to publish agendas that they're going to talk about during that meeting. And you can go to that meeting and say your piece even better. And let me tell you, from an elected official, even better than going to the meeting and saying something is calling your representative and telling them ahead of the meeting so they have time to think through your position before they have to make a decision. If you come up to the lectern in the middle of the meeting when I'm trying to make my decision and bring new information, no matter how good it is, sometimes it's almost a foregone conclusion because I've been considering everything up to that point. So catch your elected people before the meeting if you can. If you can't, say your piece at the meeting because that's also a public forum where other people will hear you. So that's my advice. Now I'll get off my soapbox. Thank you for letting me stand on it, Ms. Sabrina. Well said. I mean, thank you so much for letting everyone know about that. So yes, guys, especially for those of you um, who may not be as, I guess, like in tune with your, your local politics that's happening in your area, you can attend some of these city councilor meetings, these mayor meetings. In fact, that's actually how a lot of the restaurant owners in the North End pushed back against Mayor Michelle Wu when she wanted to charge them $7,500 in order to let customers eat outside their restaurant. They showed up at one of her meetings, which is open to the public, and they said, we're not paying this. And so she removed that. So that's another way that you can put pressure on politicians. They weren't violent and, you know, nasty towards her, but they did come there and speak their minds and say, we're not paying this. So I think we need to definitely pay more attention to some of the local politics that happen 
in our areas and ask ourselves, like, how can we get involved? And if you can't attend these meetings, like Amanda just told you, these reports are accessible online. So, cause I do realize sometimes people may have to work in the evening and that's usually, uh, usually when these meetings take place most of the time. Um, yeah, unless it's a federal agency. Yeah. It's usually local agencies are in the evenings most of the time. Yeah. And here's the, here's the other thing to know, like, like you, Sabrina here are, you could get familiar with the names and, and faces of the people that are in your rooms and who participates, even the ones who don't participate, you recognize them, right? So you kind of know people just visually. That same thing happens with elected officials. When you show up at a meeting and you don't say anything, but you just, you know, whatever it was at the meeting you wanted to be interested in, that you just sat there. And then you come back again, and then you become a familiar face, and then it becomes easier for people to approach people. So just keep that in mind. It's not a bad thing to be locally in the ear of somebody who gets to make decisions about where condos go and where speed bumps are going to be put in and where that new stop sign goes and where they're going to put the homeless people. That's right. That's right, because you could, you may not be you. affected. You're welcome, Amanda. You may not be affected. You too. You may not be, it may not affect you right now, but it could affect you further on down the road. Uh, Sinway, you're the next caller. Welcome. Thank you. Um, so I was trying to listen to one of the callers, Ray, or someone, one of them, about someone was trying to make the, a uh, filter, more filtered water in Flint, but I couldn't make out who this person was. Do you happen to know what that? Yep. Are you talk? Are you talking about the gentleman I was referring Brady? to? Are you talking to um the gentleman I was referring to that came up with his own water infiltration system? Yes. Yes. That guy, I can't remember his, actually, I'm going to Google it really quick. Hold on. Because I know. So, so it, did, what happened to the guy? Um, and what happened to the filtration thing? That's a good question. Like, I'm telling you, I've been trying to find him. Uh, his name is Moses West. You Moses guys. West. Yeah, let me see if I can add. Can I put this link in the chat? Yeah, I'll put this link in the chat because um, I saw him on an interview and I was like, holy crap. This He's originally from uh, Texas. And yes, I'll share, I'll share the link with you guys. But go ahead, uh, Simway. Sorry. All right. Um, so, was it Moses West? Yeah. Okay. All right, so that's, well, I'm going to look into that one, look into him as well later on. So, yeah, all these ideas, uh, basically no more governors at this rate, seeing as how ineffective they are. And, yeah, and obviously the people can, um... One of the people in the chat was, or 
or maybe it was a video about how France uh, decided, I think Macron decided to have, for a while, people be, like, lead for a while. And they came up with ideas that they wanted to implement that overall uh, were positive for the community. Uh, When introduced, Macron was, like, discouraged. Am I the only one who's hearing background? What's going on? Uh, what you said. Yeah, I, it sounds like there's a TV in the background. Hold on one second. It's not. Hang on. It's. That is weird. Okay. Um, because I don't hear anything in my. It's almost like someone else's call-in has mixed in with this show. That is really weird. Oh my god. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. Okay. Hey, I guess the. Okay, maybe I should. Do you think maybe I should stop right here, right now, because it's maybe like hang up and maybe it will stop. Yeah, try that. Try that. All right. My God, it's like. This is the weirdest thing I've ever... I don't know what is happening to this app. Like, I can still hear something in the background, and it's, it's just me. This is the weirdest thing. Let me take Anthony and see what happens. It's like someone's scraping something. Let me see what happens if I turn off. the Wi-Fi off and it went away. Very strange. Okay, Anthony, are you there? I have to unmute. Crash the app every time. I don't know why they do that. Goddamn. <laughs> that was weird. Yeah, that was like uh <laughs> Uh, crazy, <laughs> so crazy. But hey, uh, oh, I saw in the title, uh, Jackson. Am I? That's Jackson, Michigan. There's Jack, but Jackson, uh, MS. That'd be Jackson, Mississippi. <laughs> oh shoot! I have to. Thank you for letting me know. I'll have to fix that. Impossible. That sucks. But yeah, you can't trust no freaking tap water nowhere. <laughs> All right. No, it's like, you you really can't. I feel like, oh my god, I feel like that call was back. Yikes. Like, they're still here. I don't know who that person is, and I, I lost Anthony. I don't know what happened. Um, Let's see what happened. I'm going to mute myself. It's the weirdest thing. It's almost like someone's, like, eavesdropping. It's weird. Uh... Brady, we're going to try to take you. Let's see what happens. 
Hey, Savvy. Honestly, I think it's the last guest you had. I think that somehow his microphone is still on through the app. So you might want to send him a message or give him a call, see if his app is still open somehow. And I think his audio is coming through still. Send way. So we're eavesdropping on your last guest is what I speculate. Um, And I think now... Yes. Senway, make sure your your mic is turned off. Was it David or Daniel or something? Not Senye, but the the last speaker you had. The speaker, it was the uh, the last speaker you had with you. Not the caller, but the speaker, if that makes sense. Dave. Dave, Dave. yeah, I I think it's Dave. Dave, make sure your uh, mic is turned off. I don't know if he can hear us or not. Um, but I'm pretty sure it's his audio that we're picking up. You might want to check with him and just, <laughs> that might be one way okay. to just kind of see if that's in fact what's going on. But I thought now would be an interesting time to bring up the idea of making September conspiracy month and, um, focusing on conspiracies like the, the fluoride in the water is a big one that affects all Americans right now. It lowers IQ guys. There's not much of a debate about this. The science is out on hydrofluoric silicic acid. It costs us millions of dollars per city to do this to our water. We're paying a bunch of money to do it with the money that we're spending on fluoridating our water in five years, every single city in America could have the cleanest and purest water we could ever ask for. This is not rocket science. Um, and I don't know why we're doing it. And so on that note, I would like to make September Conspiracy Month, National Conspiracy Month. <laughs> I think we need to talk about conspiracies more. I think it would do the left really good to talk about Hunter Biden's lap and Ashley Biden's diary a lot more. We should absolutely be blowing that story up and reaching across the aisle. That's a great olive branch to the right. You know, they would love to join us in that in the investigation of the Jeffrey Epstein network. I go to this a lot. I know I divert to this a lot, but it really does tie into a lot of the issues we face in Medicare, education, water, you know, the financialization of our natural resources, um, all plays into the same network at the end of it. So this is really our, I forget the term for it. It's the linchpin to all these dudes. Linchpin to the whole network is the Jeffrey Epstein story. Um, but yeah, I would recommend that we talk about conspiracies more every September. <laughs> That's it. Just helping you kill some good air. <laughs> but Brady, uh, Joe Biden will. Joe Biden said in his speech that he will not allow conspiracy theorist groups. Yo, we need to take that seriously. <laughs> we know we don't need to laugh about. It. We should take that seriously. You should. Isn't that crazy? There's nothing to laugh about. That's terrifying, is what it is. You know what I mean? It's absolutely terrifying. Um, it's the opposite direction we need to be going. We need to be screaming about his laptops from the rooftops. Make it so that he has no choice where he can't even imagine banning us from talking about it, which is typically done um, on, a, on a mental, psychological level. You know, they've, they've not physically stopped us, or did they, during the election? Were, were we not allowed to post about Hunter Biden's laptop during the election? Wasn't that something your post can be removed for, or like you can get kicked off YouTube yeah. for talking about? Yeah. yeah. Well, when I it was Russian propaganda. Well, when I um, I'm gonna have to. Dave, I I think it's is, wait. Is Dave still here? I don't think Dave's still here anymore. So it's not him. Oh wait, it is. Dave is still here. 
Is he down in the audience? Yeah, I see him down in the audience. Maybe. Let's see what happens if I invite him to speak, see if it goes away. Um, <laughs> it sounds like his voice a little bit. Oh, boy. It's really loud. That is weird that you can still hear him, though. Because he's not called in. We are beta testing right now. Uh, Something else creeped me out the other day. It, so, uh, when uh, I published an episode, it asked me if I wanted to publish the video that was recorded during the episode. Have you noticed that? So we can go now. Man, I don't even know. Oh, oh, boy. Raymond, it sure sounds like Dave, doesn't it? Junior Griffin? It, it does. Uh, um, so, oh, we're no. beta testing right now. You know, we're beta testing, so this is kind of normal for a beta test. Um, but we should report it if possible. Let the people that call in know what happened. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's I, I think that Roman. that is another host. I think that's another host. So wild. Roman. Okay, Roman's here. Let me see. Roman, let me bring you in. And then I think we're going to have to end it after this because. Yeah, I was just calling in to tell you that this has happened to me before when I called into Jimmy Dore. Can you hear me? Yeah. Somebody, and, and I can hear the echo, and I think they can hear me. I heard him say my name, so that's weird. Oh my god! But I think that he's right. I think Dave. I had to actually uh, off of the entire app, uh, but for like 15 minutes, I was in the background of Jim Moore, and you could hear me sucking on my vape and yelling at my dog. <laughs> and uh, I threw up the link to the, the episode in the chat, but it didn't go away until I got out of the app and then came back into the room. So I think as long as Dave's here, we're probably a triple echo now. Oh, gosh. Okay. All right. Thanks. Thanks for letting me know that, Roman. Um, you bet. Wow. And I can't, I, the thing is, here? I can't even mute Dave. I can't even mute him. It won't even let me. Um, Can you kick him? The only option to kick is is to ban him, and I don't want to ban him. Mm, no, not really. <laughs> it's is just he, like. <laughs> is, he, is he still here? Oh. I don't see him anymore. He is. Oh, wait. No, he's still down there. He's in the audience. Oh, Dave. Okay, I think it's, it's gone now. Um, oh, he's, a, he's on a speaker. Right. He's right next to you. <laughs> what? Why? I'm speaking. I was just invited to speak. Wow. So I accept it, but I'm not trying to speak. It's on no, Savvy Show right no. now, but thanks for helping me out. I'm sorry I was booming loud before. If you're hearing me now, I don't know. Yeah, Dave, you have to close the whole app and then open it back, man. Can you hear me, Dave? Can I hear me? I can hear you, Roman. Oh. Yeah, Dave, you're going to have to close the whole app and just come right back, buddy. But you got to close all the way out because it, it, the app's buggy. <laughs>
it's gone you, now. It's gone now. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, Dave is muted. So I think is while muted, it probably won't echo. Okay. Um. All right, William. Thank you so much, Roman. William, we're gonna bring, and then you're gonna be the last caller because something weird might happen again. You just uh, have to unmute. Uh oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys, but it's Friday. I just have to laugh because this app sometimes I don't know what's going on. It just, <laughs> and I don't know. It kicked William. Hold on. Let's see if we'll try again. Uh, yeah, you just have to hit unmute, William. Hi, Sabby. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Yeah, it kicked me out. I'm glad you have a sense of humor about it. <laughs> you know, you laugh about it. Good to hear you laugh. <laughs> First, I'm so sorry to hear about what sound like your identity theft, right? I mean, oh my they... god! <sighs> it's cra- that William. That was some scary shit. Could you imagine like logging into your account, and then you're like, "Okay, time to pay the bills," and you log in, you're like, "What the fuck happened to all my money?" No, no, I couldn't. I, I've heard it happen to a friend of mine. He said it was a nightmare what it took to get it straightened out. And uh, I, I sounds like you're on top of it. Uh, I think for him, it, it went by weeks before he even realized it, you know? Uh, uh, and sounds like the timing was such that you were checking to make your payments. So you caught it right away from what I heard, right? So, um, but yeah, right. I, no, I, I don't know, sister. That would be, that would feel like, gut-wrenching like someone stole from me and i you know it's a heist you know what i mean you expect (laughs) right yeah like and honestly when i called the bank they said that luckily i caught it within 24 hours that's why they were able to get it back that quick because it was still pending it wasn't a completed transaction oh i see they were able to block it actually that's right and they were able to swing it right back and i was like i guess it was a good thing that it was the end of the month and it was time for for us to pay bills because otherwise i i could have probably gone another two weeks before i noticed that right yeah i think that's what happened to my friend so you got angels watching over you because you caught it (laughs) it's happy in one way you know uh, yeah it wasn't a nice conversation with them on the phone when i called and they were like it looks like um, your account has been compromised, and they were like, "Did you intend to give?" I was like, "Hell, fucking no! I didn't mean to give this multiple transactions to this random person, who was right. not even it wasn't even the same bank to this random person." Have you guys ever seen me do this before? No, you haven't. Was this not a red alarm for you? Was this not a red alert? Yet I can't go to New Hampshire which is right above me, I can't drive to New Hampshire and use my card in New Hampshire without getting some type of a flag. If I go to a gas station, I have to let my bank know ahead of time, I am going out of state and I need you to put a travel flag on my account so you know it's me actually using the cards and not someone else. That can't happen, but somebody can take thousands thousands of dollars out of my accounts and you guys don't think that's a red flag? Sounds like this person worked through their firewall or something, because you're right. I mean, I recall uh, making multiple purchases online, uh, and I guess just a number of them where my bank uh, 
contacted me. They want to know, like, is that you doing all this? I'm like, yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. You know what I mean? I am, I'm with the small mutual, sec- I'm, uh, uh, what do you call it? credit union. Do you follow me? Okay. So I have a real personal rapport with those people. I got tired. I was dealing with, like, West Fargo in California. And, and I was like, what are all these miscellaneous charges? What's going on here? You know, that all came out eventually that the banks were were racking up all these, I forget what they, miscellaneous charges. And then, uh, you know, they're, they're so corrupt. It was, it was eight is great where they were opening up, uh, Wells Fargo was opening up uh, accounts for people unbeknownst to them. Do you remember hearing about that? A couple yeah, of I remember months. that. I mean, these, but what this kind of ties, well, first of all, I'm glad they caught it. And, and, uh, and I where my credit union, they, they actually have an extra service. It's kind of sucks. I have to pay them a little extra, but it's a, another level of security. It's like six or eight bucks a month. I'm like, yeah, do it. You know what I mean? You know, I'm like, don't you guys do this already? Well, we have this new additional, you know, security. And when I hear stories like this, like what happened to my friend Larry, what happened to you? I'm like, maybe I, I'm glad I, that they're doing that. You know what I mean? Even if it does cost me an extra six or eight bucks, I forget the fee savvy. Exactly. But so that comes out every month. You know what I mean? So, so far so good, but um, it's just, there's so much hacking going on and they've gotten so good at it. You know what I mean? And um, the thieves. So this is like a bank. This is like a bank robbery. Literally. They robbed the money right out of your account. It's like a bank heist. You know what I mean? Yes. And what was weird is like, it wasn't even like someone did this once. It was multiple withdrawals, like multiple, like, why would you go in and take, they were like, well, did you mean to transfer? I was like, why would I transfer someone this Mm many three different times one day and then come back the next day and then transfer four different yeah, I mean, they should have that. That should have been flagged. That that they should have a system set up through their IT. You know, the the where, where they catch that. Uh, they certainly need to do something. I mean, I I don't know. That's. I mean, if they're, can you imagine? They must be losing a lot of money if they're missing things like that. It can't be the first time this has happened. I would inquire with their management. Like, what's going? You guys need to update your security or do something. You know what I mean? I'd be scared to have my money there in a way. Well, they said it was done online. It was done through their website. Yeah. So then I told them, then that means that your website is not secure. Exactly. 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 Wow. Well, uh, uh, good luck with that. I, I like dealing with the credit union because they're very personable and, you know, they're not busy like the big banks and, and I don't just got, sometimes you just got to go with your gut. You know what I mean? I've never had any issues with the union. So I'm, that's what I decided to do. But anyway, the, this kind of goes back. We're talking about corruption, you know, the, the Mississippi thing and Brent Favre. And I'll tell you, Savvy, that's, I don't know what else to say, but th- this government is run by a, a bunch of, white collar criminals you know mm-hmm. what i mean absolutely crazy uh you look at even you know what happened during the the banking crisis every time there's a bubble of any kind that pops the banksters bail themselves out you know what i mean i call them the banksters you know they always get bailed. these guys retire with their bonuses no matter how corrupt they are you know what i mean and you know, all those corrupt banksters, you know, they were too big to fail, whether, you know, 
all of them, the Enron, IndyMac, uh, One West, uh, where Steve Mnuchin, his own, I mean, this guy becomes treasury secretary with the reputations of foreclosure king. And Kamala Harris, when she was AG of California, didn't go after him when she had the chance. You know? That's right. That's, that's, so you're just like, it. it's really a corrupt oligarchy masquerading, I say, as, as a predatory duopoly. You know, in other words, it appears like there's two parties, but they're, they're both funded by the same people. Do you follow me? You know, That's the right. same lobbyists. And so when you see something going on like in Flint still or Mississippi or where I'm from, Bridgeport, which is basically an old manufacturing town that all the jobs have been shipped out of with a lot of Superfund sites that have been cleaned up. It's what's known as a sacrifice zone. You know what I mean by that? Old man in New England manufacturing town. Yeah. A lot of them. And <laughs> I don't know what else to say other than I don't know how to create change either, because it appears you and I were talking time before last. We talked a little last night about the World Economic Forum and and the Belt and Road Initiative and um, the 2018 report there that they put out and the 2022 and the narrative shifts. I mean, the the whole agenda is in the short term uh, over decades, I'd say, but the thumbnail version is to make China the economic hub of Europe. You follow me? And and if you read the 2018 report, as one's reading it, it's like, you know, it's kind of scary in a sense. You're like, wow, this is really freaky. It's going to flip things around. And, and I'm not too keen on China ruling the world because look what they, they're doing with sh um, uh, central bank digital currency, uh, 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 you know, their vaccine mandates, their their shutdown of the economy, that's the zero COVID policy and uh, chipping people. I'm like, you know, I don't really think we want that all over the world. I know, you know, I know the people in Canada don't want it. You know what I mean? The truckers and people, you know, and I'm not game for that personally. So where I'm going with it is that I... Uh, None of this happens in a vacuum. This, this is these laws have been passed over years. You know what I mean? And we we see in you know NAFTA, Beijing Free Trade Agreement, Asian Free Trade Agreement, Trans-Pacific Pact. Th these are agendas that have developed over decades. And in the in in the report on the World Economic Forum, it's it's a decade decade long. By 2000, I think it's 49 that China will this whole Belt and Road Initiative is to open up all commerce throughout Europe. And of course, a manufacturing hub now of the world being China. You know what I mean? Not, I mean, for example, my father opened a bicycle shop at one point in 1970, and we had bicycles from all over the world. Raleigh's were made in England, Natalas were out of Italy, Botecchia's Italy, uh, Colombia's America. The bicycles were made all over the world just like a lot of components for a lot of different things. Well, then that all shifted over time to where it ended up, uh, the bike shop was in existence for 50 years, but come 30 years into it, a lot of stuff was being made in first Japan, then Taiwan, then China. Then you ended up with three big, big manufacturing facilities in China, making almost 90 odd percent of the bicycles. 
Do you follow me? No matter what sticker was on it. Do you follow me? And that happened to so the, all the outsourcing, whether it's chips, you know, uh, uh, electronic chips or whatever, uh, cell phones, et cetera, et cetera. So what I'm getting at is it's like there's been this huge sucking sound that's that's just sucked the jobs. Some last report I saw, Tom Brokaw report, which several years ago, but like 5 million manufacturing jobs sucked out of the United States to Mexico, China, India, et cetera. And it's probably much more than that by now. And leaving places like these, like Bridgeport, Flint, because Flint, don't forget, was Delphi. That Delphi was, and, and GM was in Flint. Do you follow me? And Delphi was making their alternators and brake cylinders and things of that nature. Well, they shipped all those jobs, the Delphi plant and the GM, they closed in Flint and they went to Mexico. Follow me? Now, Mississippi, I'm not too familiar with their history with their manufacturing, but I'm certain any major city, you know, America, there was a time in the 60s from what I've, you know, I was young then, but from what I've read, if 90 odd percent of the products in an American, American home would have been made in America. You follow me? Because things were made here, you know? And there was the union jingle, you know, the commercials, you know, look for the union label and things like that. And now it's completely opposite. You know what I mean? And so the the tax base has been eroded, the manufacturing tax base. They've upped the taxes on the residential homeowners, which puts a real squeeze on the residential. And then the money's misallocated, like in Flint or in Mississippi. There's no excuse for that. You know what I mean? It, it's just, it's just, out and out corruption. I don't know how else. There's no other way to account for, it, is there? You know, I mean, when you get millions of dollars that are federal funding, right? On this, on because they have a, a water treatment issue in Mississippi now, correct? With the floods and everything. Am I right yeah. about that? That's right. To, and they're talking about how that plant would, had been creating problems. You know, not being maintained, and now it's at the point where it's non-functional. How does that ever happen? I mean, you, I'm not asking you to answer that. It's a rhetorical question. You know, how does that happen? You know what I mean? Other than fraud and corruption. And they, yep. don't, they don't care about the sacrifice zones. They, these people don't care about us. Do you follow me? It's, 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 they sacrifice people for profits. You know what I mean? And the legislatures are bought out, you know, uh, George Carlin, who owns America, it's a little raunchy, but he nails it, I think. You know what I mean? And if you do get someone who's running for office and appears like they have good intent, then they get in the position to do something. I think there's a lot of pressure there that we don't know about. And maybe, uh, you know, things happen to people or they're threatened. I don't know. I, I Jesse Ventura made a comment. Uh, I heard him on a talk show once where he, he this was coming up about corruption and what happens to people when they get into office. And he says, well, you know, he says they probably sit them down and show them the Subruder tapes. That's the grass and old JFK assassination. You know what I mean? And whether or not that actually happens or whether or not they're just informed, you know, like, look, you this is what you're going to do. If you don't, you, you know, we'll make sure you're not reelected you know, in the House every two years, you know what I mean? You, you won't be reelected, 
we're right. going to run a candidate against you, right? Uh, or we know where you're, I mean, I don't know how far it goes, you know, maybe, maybe it's like we know where you're your family lives. You know what I mean? I don't know if it goes that far or not. I, I'm not in that position. But when you see people who clearly run with good intent, and and I'm not suggesting everybody does, but I was a squad, sure, it seemed to me like they were sincere people. You know what I mean? I don't think I'm that bad a judge of character. You know what I mean? And, and, and even Obama, it seemed like he really wanted to do things. I mean, but I think he realized he got in there and I think the emails that have come out, don't they show that basically Chase Morgan chose his cabinet, more or less? The recommendations that were made, from what I understand, I read something about that once. I I, I don't have any particulars right. on that. Yeah, Obama so, was handpicked. I'm sorry, he go was, ahead, he, Sam. Obama was handpicked. He was chosen by Wall Street. Yeah. Yeah, and he was a good actor, wasn't he? Because he had us all duped, didn't he? I mean, and he's still man, acting. He, he he's is. still been acting. <laughs> Isn't he? It's crazy. You know, I, 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 I'm saying to myself, wow, I don't know how people, how they could be that duplicitous and go home and sleep at night. I just don't get it. You know, it's not, it's not, I, I, I can't, you know what I mean? But you watch that and it's like, wow, what the hell? But I think, I think. I think the squad was really sincere, and I think Bernie was really sincere. Sure, it seemed like he fought for years and certainly had enough people behind him. Seemed to me like, I, well, I know I, I listened to Chris Hedges and Colonel West, and it's and from what I, from what Chris had to say, Chris Hedges, he he was interviewed once, and he said he had talked to Bernie, and Bernie's response was he didn't want to end up like Ralph Nader, like yep. kind of pushed out. But what good does it do? In other words, what what change is Bernie making? I mean, he makes the press now and then, but is he really making any by being there still in in the machinery? Is it really having any effect? I don't know. You know what I mean? I don't know. But I mean, Ralph Nader, he certainly was a champion for all of us, and he's he's got to be in his eighties now. I don't know Ralph Nader is now, but but um, I, I I just. I honestly don't, I, like when we look at, if, if okay, how can we bring change? One is through our vote. Well, theoretically, under a real democracy, right? But we don't have ranked choice voting. We don't have multiple parties. They get elbowed out. You know what I mean? So that doesn't seem to be very effective. And we talked about the Princeton Northwestern study, Gillens and Page. And so that seems, okay, you know, what, what, what next? Well, then there's the civil courts, but then you see what happened to Donzinger and the fighting the Ecuadorian rain for the Ecuadorian rainforest victims of Chevron and Texaco. Are you familiar with that, Sabi? Um, yeah. Right. And so, I mean, he wins in Ecuador, even in the appellates to drag him back here, and the judge cites him for contempt because he wouldn't turn over his cell phone or his laptop. Well, that's confidential information he can claim between him and his clients and why is opposing counsel seeking the following subpoenas for that there's no evidence he did anything illegal so he wouldn't turn it over so the judge it's so corrupt the judge slaps him with a contempt charge and puts him in house arrest this is a misdemeanor that's like no one goes to jail for first offense misdemeanor 
It just doesn't happen. You know what I mean? That's that, that you know, I think the maximum even if you went to jail for that is a couple months. You know what I mean? For contempt. And lawyers don't typically go to jail for that. Well, so she put him on an ankle bracelet for what? Something like 900 something days. And then she found him guilty without a jury trial. And he went, had to go to jail for a short time. Best I recall about it was he got it dismissed and he got, he got the criminal case dropped. So in the appellates. So then the punishment sadly becomes the process. You see what I'm saying? And they made an example out of him, just like they're doing for Julian Assange. You follow me? And uh, Nathan yep. Hale. Nathan Hale, another guy. He got four years. The guy who revealed that the the drone, the, the, the droning was killing nine out of ten were civilians being killed. So you think the government, but how does that guy go to get a, I, I think he got time, time, you know, for the process, he was in prison. So I think he's, he may have like three and a half years left, but he should never, he wasn't charged with war crimes for, because he was a operator. Do you follow me? He was charged with telling the truth about how, about nine out of 10 of the people they kill are, are, are innocent civilians. So we, I guess what I'm saying is we just see this over and over again. And we see what happens uh, there was another case, civil action, where a movie was made, John Travolta and Robert Duvall. It's about a case in Woburg, Massachusetts, with three companies that were polluting the, the, the what they call pump-and-dump procedures, where they were dumping toxins right into pits. Kind of like the Aaron Brockovich movie. You know what I mean? General Electric, what, what they were doing there. So there was a situation in Massachusetts, Woburg, Mass, and they made a movie out of it, Civil Action. And the movie, and there were people who died, just like in there in Brockovich thing from leukemias and cancers and things. It's based on a true story. And you could YouTube it and catch the clips on, there's one on truth, where Robert Duvall is have, having a, a heated kind of confrontation with uh it becomes heated with travolta who's playing the attorney you know it's based on a true story and i i couldn't do the clip justice but it's worth a watch because you begin to realize this is what happens you know what i mean it's so corrupt the the federal and state courts okay so then what else is there there's there's worker strikes you see what i mean in other words while our vote is do, can we get anywhere with that? Can he get anywhere through the civil courts? What else do we have left? You know, strikes, uh, protests. You see what I'm saying? And we see what happens when people try and strike. How that, that the company, you know, and the police stack up against people when they're protesting and stuff. You know what I mean? It's just, see, I, I don't know. I was born in 1960. Uh, I, it, I don't know if it's because of the internet, there's a lot more information out there, or things have just gotten a lot worse, or I just wasn't that much aware. Do you see what I'm saying? Do you think it's gotten worse? I think it has, but do you think it's gotten worse, or is it that we're more aware of how much worse it is because of the, the communication that we all have now through the internet and the, you know, the alternative media? I think... I think we're more aware of it now. And I, I say the same thing to people when they mention police brutality. I tell them, I was like, has it really gotten worse? Or is it just that we have smartphones with cameras now? 
Amen. So I think right. that um, my dad used to always tell me this when I was growing up and uh, I didn't want to listen back then. But my dad used to tell me that the country is run by crooks. Yeah. And I used to be like, and I remember when Obama was running, I was at Obama stand. I was telling my dad, but no, dad, Obama's, he's, Obama said hope and change. Yeah. He's going to change everything. And my dad was like, okay, we'll see. And which meant that he didn't believe it. Uh, anytime he right. said, okay, we'll see. He's like, yeah, okay. Well, he's going to be just like the other ones. And then after the, you know, after a couple years with Obama in office, my dad was like, I hate to say, oh, but I told you so. A good, I, I think the good, uh, honest people who are really willing to fight back against the system, those politicians either never make it to office because mm -hmm. the, the Democratic Party, they, they pick who they want. They never make it there. Or right. if they do make it there, they have a choice. They either go along with the Democratic establishment so that they can have their career or the Democratic Party will push them out. And so right. Cynthia McKinney has talked about this with her own experience being a congresswoman in the Democratic Party. And so she's been very candid and open about that. And look at what they did to Cynthia McKinney. They pushed her out. So I think the people yeah. who are actually going to, to stand up and fight, they're not going to let those people stay there. No, they're not. In fact, I, Tulsi Gabbard's a mixed bag, isn't she? I mean, military, but yet she's against... Well, says she's against foreign, you know, wars and interventions, and she did out. She did really blow up Kamala Harris. Remember on stage about Kamala's history as an attorney general. However, you feel about it, but then she had kid gloves around Biden. She wouldn't go after Biden. Mm -hmm. But then the DNC did give her the boot in 2016. Wasn't she head of? She was supposed to be the new starlet for the DNC, from what I recall hearing. And then she that was until she decided to support Bernie Sanders instead of Hillary Clinton. Right. Exactly. Yeah. They threw her under the bus and we saw what they did to Bernie. And then what happened in 2020 with her, with Tulsi, um, I was disappointed when she finally... Not so much that she pulled out, but that she then endorsed Biden. I was like, how can anyone, you know, Biden, any of these people who are lifers, you know, they're the people who got us here. They, they can possibly do anything different than what they've been doing. They're beholden to their corporate masters. You know, they're just puppets. And so it, it, to think we could push Biden to the left, you know, is insane. You know, I mean, look what, no matter what he ran on, whether it was $15 an hour minimum wage or public option or, you know, whatever for health care, he's done nothing. They deferred to the parliamentarian, an unelected official they couldn't get forced to vote through or something. You know, I don't think I'm mixing issues. You know what I mean? I, 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 and it's like, this is all political theater, isn't it? It's all bullshit, you know? And, um, and then uh, it, you know things are bad when Tucker Carlson is actually outing some things and Tulsi's going on Tucker and Jimmy Dore, and I like Jimmy, you know, that's not a criticism, where he, we should got Fox being more upfront about some things than CNN or NBC. You're like, what? This world has gotten completely convoluted, has it not? You know what I mean? It's like, what? Get out of here.
Yeah, I think at the end of the day, I feel like it's just all a game, and we're just we're just players in the game, and the people who play the game the right way get promoted, and the ones who don't kind of get left behind. Yes, I I agree. Um, What are your thoughts on Reverend Barber and the Poor People's Campaign? Do you have? Are you familiar with one? I think it's William Barber. Yeah, I announced it last year when he said he was he was going to do that. Uh, it's a mixed bag for me with him because the thing about him is like, yes, he is addressing the issues that poor and working class people need people to hear. But at the same time, he always connects it back to voting for the Democratic Party. That's the part. That's where I feel like he misses... He misses the the plot because it's like, why are you, if you see that, that both parties have done this and the Democrats are in power right now, if you see that and you realize that people don't have a living wage and you had that march mm-hmm. in Washington, D.C., and you've done all of those things and you see that, and at the same time, you are still telling people, we're going to go do this march and we're going to make demands but at the end of the demands, you're telling people vote for the Democratic Party. Yeah. That's missing the plot. I didn't understand that. I thought they were going to have their own platform and their own party. I misunderstood what he was about. I haven't been following, so I, I missed that. Oh, I didn't yeah. get that. Wow. Yeah. yeah, when I looked at the ad for it, the the ad for people's uh, poor people's campaign, they had a video ad and I played it. And then once you get towards the the end of the ad, you realize they're telling you, yeah, we got to vote for, you know, Joe Biden. And see, that's the thing with a lot of these groups. And I've, I've had this experience before where other groups that I was interested in, and then they talk a good game and they seem like it's just an activist group, but then you get involved and you realize they're still just, their whole end game is just telling you to vote for the democratic party. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know that. I'm disappointed to hear that. I guess. Ah, oh, wow, that's really sad. I we actually need more parties, don't we? I mean, I don't know how they can get on the ballot. I but um, huh, ranked choice voting and more parties. Let me ask you quickly. Your father's having his perspective. What what was his work history that enlightened him? What uh, just the, everything? His life experience, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, seeing that all happen, or. What was it for him? Was he a police officer? You know, what, I, I'm a little confused. He's former military. Oh, okay. <laughs> so yeah. that's that's that part of it. And then also, I mean, he he knows what it's like to grow up in poverty. He grew up in Baltimore, yeah. Maryland. My dad had seven brothers and sisters. Oh, wow. Single mom. Yeah, single yeah. mom. And so he saw, like, the struggles. And he saw, like, earlier on that the government that they really weren't going to help, especially poor people, working class people. They didn't care about those communities. But he also told me about a time back when Baltimore actually had more factories Mm -hmm. and the crime rate wasn't high. And once they started outsourcing the jobs and they closed the factories, that was when the crime rate started to increase. And then they they implemented, I said they they implemented because they brought the drugs in. They brought Mm -hmm. drugs into Baltimore. And so that's when the crime rate really started to soar. So my dad could walk down a block in Baltimore and tell you this block didn't used to look like this. Right. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, my father was a Navy. He was a 
aircraft carrier pilot. And um, we were growing up, he, he came home with his gold helmet and his flight suit. And my brother and I used to, for a little trade off who was going to wear the helmet, you know, walk around for Halloween. You know what I mean? I remember having fond memories of that, but my father never talked about it. He didn't want to talk about it. Anytime I asked him, he just buried his head in the newspaper. And the day he died, he never said much about anything about it. So I don't, I don't know what his experience was. He never encouraged me to go into the military, and I didn't, because I think I just took it. You know, you feel things as a kid too. Whatever he was experiencing that he wouldn't share or had experience, um, certainly didn't give me any affinity. You know, I, I went to a Votech High School in Bridgeport. Bullet Havens, and I scored in the top 99 percentile when the recruiters came around. I was uh, studying electrical, but I, I, I didn't, I took the test, but I was like, nah, I don't think that's where I, you know, when I go do that, you know, and uh, it was just an unconscious resistance probably from, picked up from my dad, but, um, but Bridgeport, my father used to sell pharmaceuticals, and they got out of that. Uh, there was some things he saw there he didn't like. He opened a bicycle shop, and we had a thriving bicycle business for a lot of years. Spoken Wheel was actually just got foreclosed during the pandemic. The fellow who worked for us, Chris, uh, bought it. They carried the note. And what happened with the CARES Act, Sabby, was if you were behind two or more years in your taxes, you didn't qualify. Well, small businesses were struggling, especially in places like Bridgeport, which is old manufacturing. And plus, the markets change. You know, when I was a kid growing up, we had three TV channels. And the only time we were inside is if we were grounded for misbehavior. You know what I mean? There was no multiple channels or video games or computers. And so we were always out on our bikes. You know what I mean? And you know, playing outside and stuff. and. Uh, uh, and so, uh, you know, bicycles, skateboards, my dad got into carrying exercise equipment at one point, even sleds, because there was a park nearby, Beardsley Park, they had a big hill that was a great sledding spot. We had bike rentals. We had six employees at one point. We were very busy. And then the market started to shift. I, I didn't want to take it over. I wanted to get out of Bridgeport. And uh, the fellow worked for us, Chris, it was his passion. So I said, Dad, here's your guy, not me. I, I, I want to go see the world. I didn't want to do that. Point I'm trying to make is, so Chris, during prior to the pandemic, he just got only recently, even though other, every other bicycle shop closed, Sabby, every other bike shop in the city of 150,000 people, there's only one bicycle shop still open, the Spoken Wheel, on East Main Street. And that, and if you, if you included like the neighboring towns, Trumbull, Monroe, Derby, which all used to have bike shops, there weren't any left there anymore either. You're up well over 200,000 to 220,000 people. And service one bike shop was servicing that. But Chris got behind his taxes a couple of years. And the way the CARES Act was set up, he couldn't, during the pandemic, he couldn't get any CARES Act money. Well, this is what they did. They, the, the business was appraised, the building was appraised at 225,000 two years before the pandemic started. 225,000. During the pandemic, they appraised at 140 odd thousand. I think it was 145. You know, they foreclosed on that for 51,400. They stole the equity. 
and he wasn't they basically covered the taxes insurance appraisal fees any miscellaneous fees whatever and i think they left chris with 1200 bucks and now there's no bike shop anywhere in that area for anyone so if your kid you buy your kid a bike somewhere anywhere and the cables stretch out for the brakes and the brakes aren't working anymore or they get a flat you know you're a single mom you don't know how to do it any of that or if you're not not the time or your dad who's it stuff whatever you'd have to go all the way orange or milford you got to go a long way now to get to a bike shop and a couple of those bike shops are in very affluent areas bridge bridgeport used to be a very affluent area and some of the neighboring towns still are like Westport, Milford, Fairfield. And when you go into those areas for bikes, when you come in with a repair, they want to sell you a new product because they got overhead and that's where they make their money. So we, when we were so open, we were as a city family bike shop and people would come in and say, Oh man, they told me I need a new bike at XY bike shop, you know, in Milford or Fairfield. And we're like, no, they've been just sitting in your garage for how long since your kid went to college? Well, the tires are flat because they leak out after a while, the tubes and the thing's dusty. And let's, I don't know what was, let, let's give it a tune up and we'll put air in the tires. If it needs tubes, we'll throw tubes in it. And the tune up in would maybe $65, whereas they were told you need to spend three, four, five hundred dollars $500 on a new bike at these other places. Well, now that small bike shop, of 50 years got foreclosed on during the pandemic so this happened to a lot of small businesses you follow me and there's that was a nail in the coffin because if when they when they did this where hey you're buying your taxes two years or more so you the assessment is you're not a viable business well you know if you're struggling you've been around for decades and you recently get behind during a bad economy or a turn a downturn in, in, in the market. That happens. You know, what I mean it doesn't mean you can't come back, but you can't come back during 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 a pandemic when, for example, there come a time where you couldn't even get product to sell. Do you follow me? Because everything was being made in China and they flipped over to making a lot of stuff for PPE. For, for COVID, you know, or ventilators or masks or, you know, gowns or whatever, or so manufacturing, the cities were, with the zero COVID policy were shut down. And yet no one's making those bike parts here in America anymore for the, especially for, you know, the stuff that was not, you know, super high end racing stuff that was all outsourced by them. You know what I mean? So we had no, so basically, Chris got foreclosed on, and they stole the equity in a sense because fifty-one thousand four hundred when two years before the pandemic, it's appraised at two and a quarter. I mean, that, that that's just theft. Do you know what I mean? And uh, Bridgeport, uh, tell me when you got to roll because I can yak, you know. But but Bridgeport uh, was the Park City. It was a you know, we had Success Park, Father Panic Village. These 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 housing facilities were built to support the manufacturing base. General Electric, Westinghouse, uh, Bridgeport Machine, Bridgeport Brass, Sikorsky's, and Stratford, uh, the Stratford 
uh, tank engine factory is still there. You had uh, Remington Arms. Uh, I'm just naming a few. There was 500 companies. And and so there was a lot of, uh, the, 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 my grandma used to say to me, oh, Bridgeport, you know, if someone lost their job, they could walk 10 minutes, get another job, because there were so many manufacturing facilities around. Well, of course, after the war, a lot of those weren't necessary when things winding down. But then, of course, it was cheaper to eventually ship the jobs with the North American Free Trade Agreement to Mexico, just like in, in Flint, Delphi, and, and GM. And you had like John Deere, not not in Connecticut, but John Deere. I, th I think John Deere may have been in Michigan. I'm trying to remember. But anyway, there were even, you know, uh, uh, Westinghouse uh, appliances. Everything started, you know, originally the, to Canada, North American Free Trade Agreement and Mexico. And then, uh, of course, as Ross Perot said, you know, uh, NAFTA, NAFTA, you don't want that. You're going to have a giant sucking sound. Our jobs are going to Mexico, then to Asia, of course, India, uh God knows where else. I, I'm not even sure. But, but, and and when those jobs left, the manufacturing plants, like say General Electric on Boston and Bridgeport, then two diners closed. You follow me? You know, and then retailers closed, and then it's because it has a cascading effect. Of course, you see what I mean. And then the the crime starts to rise. You know, and people don't have good jobs. They open a Walmart in stratford you know what i mean and i mean but yeah that's not a living wage for anybody you know what i'm saying no it's and, true this is all true it's i mean the things that you're mentioning william is like this is why i say it's important to talk to people who have these experiences and not just someone who's like a professor who did the research. You need to talk to mm -hmm. people that actually grew up in these towns that went through these transitions. Because when I talk to people that grew up in a lot of like the mill towns, we have some here in Massachusetts mm -hmm. too, the old mill towns and people that grew up in like, I don't play like Pittsburgh, Detroit. Yeah. They can tell you about a time when it was very profitable like to live there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the United States decided like these companies decided to take make more of a profit and yeah. take the easier way out and say, well, it's cheaper to make cheaper to get the products overseas. Mm -hmm. It's cheaper to get the products made in Mexico and start laying people off from the factories. Yeah. And that uh, imagine what Detroit would be like today. If that didn't happen. Oh, be beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Bridgeport too. I mean, Bridgeport, they called the park city because there were so many parks and it, it, it's right on the Long Island Sound. And, you know, it, it was, it was pretty. You know what I mean? It was, it was. And even East Main Street, when my dad opened the shop in 1970, there was all nationalities around Upper East Main Street. You know, you had Polanski Meats, you had Wanda's Travel, you know, there was a spoken wheel, there was, uh, you know, Italians, Polish, uh, Immigrants from all over the world, you know what I mean, had their businesses because America's a melting pot. You had people of all races and colors. You know what I'm saying? Everybody got along. You know what I mean? I didn't see any, I didn't have any problems. I mean, I went to Bridgeport, I went to high school in Bridgeport, and 
I didn't have any problems in high school. I mean, Bridgeport has got a bad reputation now. You know what I mean? But um, the only time we had a problem was uh, we had a high school football game. We played Hill House, and uh, because of whatever, uh, the stands empty. There was kind of like a riot at the game. The game ended in the third quarter. The ref shut the game down. It, it got kind of crazy. No one got killed or anything. It wasn't like anyone got stabbed or shot. You know what I mean? It was yeah. just uh, things got kind of crazy. The, the tensions got kind of high um, at one point. And I, and the, but those tensions happen when there's economic stress and there's social stress. You know what I mean? It creates and then they spill over. You know what I mean? And uh, uh, yeah, it's just becomes a, a, a decay and there's no viable route out you know what i mean that's that's the thing like i when i hear anyone like trump first of all disparaging disabled people and mocking them on stage like that fellow who was a reporter who had i don't know what the fellow had did he have cerebral palsy or something and so trump kind of mocked him I couldn't believe it. I have disabilities. I, I need both hips replaced and a back surgery. Football left me all messed up with arthritis everywhere. And should listen to my grandma and play piano, but I didn't. So anyway, so, you know, I'm on two canes now. When I see that, when he refers to countries as asshole countries or, or cities that way, I'm like, wow. How do you think they got that way? Mm-hmm. Corporatists, predatory corporatists like him. You know what I mean? That's right. And and it's so enraging. And and there's that's poverty. It goes across all nationalities. You know, it's not one. I I, I just I don't know, Sabi. All we see is is the, the quantitative easing. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. It never seems to end. You know what I mean? Modern monastery policy where print, print, print. Or when I actually don't print most of the money, it's just moving the decimal points around, shift, you know, for the banksters, you know, by the Federal Reserve buying up junk and keep stimulating the, the stock market. The top 1% doing great. 10%, what is it? Uh, I think it's 90% of the stock market assets are owned by the top 10%. So, where, so great, the stock market keeps going up. Where does that leave everybody else? You know what I mean? It only benefits the rich. I don't see a way out, Sabby. I don't want to sound unhopeful, but I, it just seems to keep spiraling in the wrong direction, doesn't it? I mean, I don't know. Don't know what to do. Um, I think eventually it's going to get to a point where people are going to reach that breaking point. Because I yep. think we're going to see more more Jackson, Mississippi's. We're going to see more Flint, Michigan's. Yes, and I are. think it's only going to get to the point where people are just going to be like, you know what? Enough is enough. And I think the U.S. government knows that. And I think that's exactly why they've been ramping up the police state. Because they saw yep. what happened after the George Floyd protests. And they're like, wait a minute. We can't let something like that happen again. I know. So they're already preparing for those things. I used to work at MIT. So I saw the robots that they made at MIT, mm -hmm. that the U.S. Mm -hmm. government, that they, they're using. So it's like, wow. 
this stuff is is already in the making. Like they are already planning for this because they know it's only going to be a matter of time. The bubble is bursting. The housing market is is a hot mess, and people aren't making what they should be making. And then you you had like, you know, kudos to Bernie Sanders for this. You had someone like Bernie Sanders that really got a lot of people riled up. So realizing that hey, they've been screwing us over. Yep. So. I mean, those are the things, but I do have to uh, get going, William, yeah. because uh, yeah, sure. I got to get ready to head out um, for tomorrow. But thank you so much for calling in, guys. Thank you so much for joining me. I'll be at Camp Dada um, tomorrow, so I'll try to get like some video footage, and then I'll probably edit it and put it together for next week. But I don't know if I'll be able. I don't think I'll be able to live stream because I don't think we're gonna have like a wi- a good Wi-Fi signal. So, but yeah, I'll do that and. Yeah, I'm excited. I finally get to meet like the Bank Sisters and Delilah in person and a bunch of other activists. So have a good weekend, guys. And thank you so much for hanging with me tonight. So thank you. I'm signing on. Good night.